0: Welcome to Am I Famous Yet? This is chapter 35 called Choose Your Words Carefully. Words matter. Words are important. The wrong words can hurt. Rather than pontificate on my theories of interpersonal communication, I will merely, merely attempt to entertain you with some of the examples of fairly messed up stuff I have seen and heard as people have attempted to make their musical visions into reality. This first illustration comes to us from the music book of oldies act, Who Shall Remain Nameless. It's not that I'm trying to protect the group's reputation. I honestly don't remember which group it was. All I remember is that I thought it was funny enough to take a picture of one of their charts with my phone. It was on an all-day production schedule when we were rehearsing and then performing with half a dozen acts all on a single show. These types of days involve reams and reams of paper going by throughout the process. They also put your sight reading ability invariably to the test, not only in terms of skill at reading properly written scores, but also, and maybe more importantly, your skill in interpreting what was actually meant from what uh, what the author actually wrote. Many musical instructions and terms are in Italian. When the word forte appears it means to play loudly. Fortissimo means play very loudly. Piano means softly. Pianississimo means play so quiet that you could hear someone juggle cotton balls over the volume of the music. Stuff like that. Ritardando is a common musical term which translated into English as slowing down and indicates a gradual decrease in tempo. Typically this might happen at the, the end of a song, for instance. Very often, someone will abbreviate uh, this in a musical score by writing the word retard. I was reading one of these oldies charts in rehearsal when the following appeared. "retard." Whoa, what did he call me? Swapping that one I for an E really changed the meaning of that instruction and became quite politically incorrect. I knew what the author meant, but it still made me giggle. Another oldies act emailed me with a chart that was uh, requesting a typical rock and roll ending for a particular song. This is sometimes called the A train ending since Duke Ellington used it so famously to end that song. Other people call it a blues ending because every blues song seems to terminate in that fashion. It's a familiar musical device and almost unnecessary to read or write. Almost everybody with any experience knows what to do when faced with that instruction. As soon as I know this is going to be the ending for a song, I can take my eyes off the printed page and turn my attention to something more important like seeing what's happening on the TV screens over the bar, or possibly trying to imagine what misguided style magazines some of the people in the front row of the concert must be reading. You know, vital stuff like that. The email from this act further stated that this was a revised version of an earlier chart because some mistakes had been found and corrected. I appreciate someone who checks his or her work and is constantly striving to make the music better. As I was reading through the chart, I came to the ending, which instructed me to do the following, eoc and rule ending. There are a few problems here, not the least of which are the words that are supposed to be, in English, eoc and rule. As, I'm as guilty as typos of typos as the next person, but remember that this is the corrected chart, The other problem should be clearly apparent to my musically literate brothers and sisters. The written pitches in this passage are correct, but the rhythms are all kinds of wrong. Also, there's a little bird's eye symbol written below the last chord, which is called a fermata. It indicates a pause in the middle of of the music of an unspecified length. It most commonly occurs over the last note of a song, and it means you're done, finished, it's over, get your paycheck and go home. It also definitely means to stop counting and stop keeping time. But notice, if you you could see this, this particular arc symbol called uh, a tie links this note into the next measure. This means definitely keep counting. So which is it, pal, the fermata or the tie? Once again, I knew what the author meant. Apparently, proofreading stopped right about the place where a skilled typewriter would lift his or her eyes from the page. This next example comes not in the form of printed music, but rather in a verbal instruction during a rehearsal that reduced the band to a, bunch, a group of giggling teenagers. We were rehearsing a show with a disco diva who was demonstrating in both spoken word and body language a specific musical nuance that she wanted emphasized in a particular song. She was a disco diva with a couple of monster crossover dance hits from the 70s. We were huge fans of hers and wanted to do anything we could to cater to her, her wishes. This was also our first and only meeting with her, so we had no proper rapport nor common language developed before this rehearsal. What she was saying was that every eight bars of a particular music passage, she wanted us to emphasize an eighth note anticipation of the next bar. If one was to count this type of phrase, one might say something like one, two, three, four, and. That's the musical version, the music school version of what she wanted. We had a band full of music school nerds. In our minds, we were all saying for and. The disco diva chose instead to gyrate her body dramatically on the and beat and said to us repeatedly, you got to grab them snatches. We were all adults and trained professionals, but every time a grown woman told us to grab them snatches, we were reduced to being children on a playground hearing a word we knew was naughty for the very first time. It was all we could do to contain our laughter that was inspired by our word choice with such an unfortunate double entendre. In the interest of full disclosure, this incident occurred a full seven years before a similar infamous utterance by a major label, major political party candidate. Uh, Words can also be used to motivate and inspire. I did a recording a few years ago with a band called Eye to Eye. They made a couple of albums for Warner Brothers years before I met them uh, in New York. I had heard of them, which is why I was thrilled to be asked to play on their next recording. To my ears, they sounded like a cross between Joni Mitchell and Steely Dan. It was very exciting music to play, super intelligent, expertly composed, and beautifully arranged. The whole process from rehearsals through the recording was amazing. It stands to this day as the recording I am most proud to have played on. Part of what made it so great was the camaraderie. They were terrific people who were a lot of fun to be around. Because the music was so specific, it was the type of gig where reading charts was essential. I had to keep my eyes glued to the page throughout every song just to make sure I was at the right place and playing the right notes. At the end of a couple of, of the couple of the charts, the keyboard singer, keyboardist arranger wrote the following instruction, repeat to fade, you fuckers. This is a fantastic way of letting us know that we had survived the entire chart and we were now expected to keep playing the same section for as long as it took the recording engineer to fade the music out. Seeing an instruction like that coming from a friendly source automatically lightens the mood in the studio. It also inspired us to improvise during the long fade out, lifting the energy of the proceedings as the song rode off into the sunset.